This is your host, Josh Sharp, and welcome to New Hope's Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we get a chance to talk about what didn't make it into the sermon this week and what our speaker would have liked more time to engage with. We'll also go over some questions that you might have had and generally just have a good time talking about what was on our speaker's mind. Today, we're here with Denise Douglas and John Rosensteel to talk about the sermon, How Can You Say There Is Only One True Faith? from the current sermon series, 10 Questions, Exploring Barriers to Our Faith. Denise and John, great to have you guys here today joining us. And uh, John, you've been you were gone last week, man. Me, Denise, and Hannah had some fun. And uh, <laughs> did it get I'm out sure of control? We'll too, yeah. Did it get out of control? I mean, we just made fun of you. So oh, I mean, that was yeah. that was largely oh, the time. Wow. <laughs> I don't remember it that way, but <laughs> you'll have to listen to figure it out. I guess I will. So <laughs> it was a great time. We had a, we had a good time. Um. For our listeners, real quick, we're going to uh, kind of do a quick flyby of the sermon. This is not for the sermon, but rather an add-on to it. And so we're going to talk about what was on the cutting room floor. But first, Denise, can you give us a quick flyby of your sermon this this weekend? Just sure. a quick refresher. Yeah. You know, the question we were looking at this week is, how can you say that there's only one true faith? And so we just looked at it from the perspective of uh, how it, that, that statement or that question hit so many people in our world today as exclusive and uh, arrogant, archaic, and uh, we, we acknowledge that and why that's true. And then try to look at it from the two perspectives. One, what does scripture say? Are there multiple ways that people can come to know God? Or is there really, does the Bible teach that there's yeah, one Yeah, you showed the faith? mountain picture yeah, for that. And then, and the, well, the actually, no, talked about, and that walked through scripture and said, here's what scripture teaches about that. And here's kind of the overall view. And then, yes, looked at the mountain because I also wanted to look at what, is the, what does the world say today? Here's what the scriptures say. Here's what the world says, that there are multiple ways uh, to know God. And so tried to, to help people, I hope, look at the fact that the Bible, at least from the way I read it, and many people read it, is that it's actually one of inclusion, not exclusion, and it's loving and not arrogant. There is one of the tenets of our Christian faith is that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and all men come to the Father, all come to the Father, uh, only through me. So that's kind of a, an overview. Yes, this is what Jesus said, but in what context did he say it? What's the overall view of scripture? And uh, help us to see that it's not exclusive, but inclusive and loving and not arrogant. <laughs> and that we make a mistake if we ever present it as yeah. arrogant. And I and thought exclusive. you did a great job presenting that aspect because I know that is uh, a tension deep within that. So with that said, Denise, um, obviously you had this, this sermon. I, I know we were just talking a minute ago that this is a very loaded part of conversation. And uh, this, the, the whole idea of Christianity being exclusive or not and, and why or why not. And it, there's a lot to this. There so is. that said, yeah. what yeah. in your research getting to this, what, what hit the cutting room floor that we didn't get to hear Sunday? Well, there's so much, uh, not only in, in reading, such as I didn't even talk about Rebecca McLaughlin's book, uh, Confronting Christianity. And when I first read her chapter on it, it, it just didn't, it didn't connect with me super well. But mm. after I had read other things and I went back to it, I had a, a greater appreciation for what she had to say. So some of the things that uh, she looks at 
helping Christians to respect uh, not necessarily someone else's belief system. She says we should argue, we should be able to argue passionately with people about what we believe and listen deeply as they argue passionately for what they believe. But the respect comes from person to person, not, she talked about some of uh, her smartest friends, uh, one who will probably win a Nobel Peace Prize one day, <laughs> that I, I believe John, is he Muslim I, or mm. Hindu? I couldn't remember which one it was, but they argue intensely over the different belief systems but they walk away with a, with a deep friendship still intact and respect for each other. So she encouraged us to, to not pull back from, from arguing the truth as we see it and believe it from our Christian faith. So, so that's something that hit the, uh, the cutting room floor. I think that's uh, huge. One of the things my dad kind of uh, pushed on me growing up was like, the arguments, these types of things, they're, they're a search for truth. Yes, and if you exactly. come at it with that point of view, the rest isn't personal. The rest is, right. it's a good time. You're, right. you're both searching for truth. You may not know what that is yet, right. but you're both moving that direction. Right, right, right. And you may not, you're probably not going to change each other's mind in that moment. Yeah. But I think we have to accept that more than, the, yeah. more than we ever do. Yeah. And then John uh, actually sent me a couple of things that I had already pulled the sermon together, but he sent me one of his sermons he spoke on before. And I, uh, John, I was going to ask you to speak to it. You talk about, you know, there being a small T and a, and a capital T with the word truth and thought mm-hmm. that was a... A good thing to take a look at as well, but that hit the cutting room floor for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes into any of these discussions. Words matter and how we define them and the weight that we put mm-hmm. on them, the freight that we ask them to carry, the things we attach to them. <laughs> Make the co- the conversations more complex. I think it's always helpful in tough conversations like this to be able to clarify what we mean by words. And so I think a lot of times people will use the words inclusive and exclusive differently. So I think it will be helpful to kind of bring greater greater clarity to what we mean by that. Um, So, you know, backdrop is a lot of the emotional weight we bring to this is we live in a world with unparalleled options. Yeah, You know, we love, love, love Mm -hmm. options. And, uh, you know, just try going to Starbucks and you can now order you know, a drink with, you know. I'm really mad when they take off the seasonal drinks that I like. And I'm not talking about pumpkin spice, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the amount of options are just, it's mind boggling. And so we've become used to that and we like that. We like freedom. There's nothing wrong with options. There's nothing wrong with freedom. Um, but we bring them to bear on things uh, of, of what I call big T truth. Mm-hmm. And so small T truth would be... Um, how I would define your taste or your preferences, right? And we live how in How I world. like my pizza? Correct, you okay. know, or, you know, <laughs> whatever. We get into sports, we get into whatever. These are most things, yeah, The frankly. Cowboys just aren't that good of a team. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, <laughs> careful. below the belt, Josh. You know, I think when I preached this sermon years ago, I, I, I listed five Robin Williams movies, and mm-hmm. he had just passed and asked them to vote on which one they thought was the best. Mm-hmm. And try that sometime at a dinner party. It will bring lots of different strong opinions. Now, would we ever come away from that conversation saying that anybody should argue that they're right and the other person is wrong? No, that would be offensive and arrogant and absurd, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that's the—but th- that's a conversation about preferences 
or small T things or, or our taste, what we prefer. And those are most of our conversations. But when we yeah. get into matters like this of religion or even the topic that I'm going to talk about this week, science, you know, things like that, <laughs> um, something's either true or it's not, right? And you get into, you know, some people have taken logic classes. There's some philosophy enough to be dangerous. But I think even, even somebody who hasn't understands it with some of these things, you know, one plus one either equals two or it doesn't. It's right? not like we can argue about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's just a very simple illustration of like... I've heard there's a whole book written on that. Like, I haven't read that, but there is a... Sounds like a really boring book. Yeah. But <laughs> nonetheless, I think we have to separate these types of conversations and we cross-pollinate them and we just go from one to the other and we mix them all together and they get all emotional. And some people take things like politics, which are a lot of small T things, right? There, there are preferences yeah. to what we how we think the world should be run, how we want it to mm-hmm. be run, mm-hmm. and we make them a big T truth. Well, that's not exactly. good. We'll get to right. that topic later in the series, too. Yeah, yeah. But in things of like <laughs> God and religion, we are clearly within the realm of capital T truth. Now, this is a really important caveat. I, we're not here as Christians saying that we know absolutely that our version of the capital T truth is right. Mm-hmm. There's an element of faith and humility that we must go about, and that's where it gets very complex. But somebody is. Or someone, you know, so to use your illustration, Denise, from Sunday on the mountain, which I appreciate, other people use the the elephant, the great fable Mm -hmm. of the elephant, where there's blind people touching the elephant in different points. And they're saying, well, I feel, and one's touching the tail, one's touching the ear, one's touching the the foot, and they're describing different things. And then the the parable is like, oh, but it's all the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the mountain is another way. Everything everything ends up the way. Well, um, that's logically incohesive. It just, it just doesn't, it sounds really nice when Oprah mm-hmm, says it and mm-hmm. her, to give her the benefit of the doubt and others, they're trying to be peaceful. They want to find common ground, which is beautiful. And we want to be committed to that. But there's some realms where that's, it's just logically absurd. Um, I was at a church, um, Black Hawk Church in Madison for many years. And I remember uh, my friend there who was my boss and lead pastor, Chris, he went to some sort of a forum on campus at the large campus, University of Wisconsin-Madison. They had um, representatives. He was the representative from Christianity, and they had uh, a Jewish rabbi, and they had an imam, and, you know, on and on, right? Different—I can't remember how many, four or five on the panel representing wow. different faiths, right? Mm-hmm. And so they were asking the students to come, and they were just having a, a conversation, which is always good and fruitful. And, and, but I can't remember who it was. Chris told me later. He said it, it um, impacted him deeply. Um, one of the other faith leaders, before they ever got going, said, hey, before we get going, like our goal tonight is to, to talk and find common points, and said, but to speak for the entire panel, please don't disrespect us by saying we all believe the same thing. He goes, that's offensive to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't respect us. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say to folks out there who, I know you're trying to be kind, but when Oprah or someone else and maybe isn't directly affiliated with 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 a, with a pathway of faith, mm-hmm. it doesn't really, you know, I don't think Oprah has said that she's this or that. And when you look at all the other, you know, streams of religion in the world that clearly believe different things about God mm-hmm. and say that we all believe the same thing, that's you're offending pretty much everyone. Everybody. Exactly. <laughs> so. it's, that's, I agree. And I think that's really important for Christians to, to hear is that we're not the only ones who make that claim that that our belief system no. is is the I, only way. After you had preached, I was I was kicking around my mind. I'm like, isn't the point to be like 
exclusive for all religions. Like the point is they're all searching for that capital T truth. Mm -hmm. And by the sheer nature of that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're, they're creating these lines that, yeah, this is what that is. And the other thing isn't right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think, and I don't know if you want to go into the definitions now. We can, it's all up to you. um, I think, when I think of the word exclusive, and I and it, and you guys are right, I think defining it is so important, and I, I don't always do a great job of that. What's in my mind when I think of exclusivity is that, is that we create things to keep people out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, it's... Uh, which we typically have a term for, which is legalism. Yes, yeah. that's a great term to bring in. That's exactly right, and we see it all through the Old Testament. <laughs> we see it through the New Testament. We see it in the church today. We we gravitate towards that. Well, let's just create this box, and and so we're me and my kind are in, and you guys are out. That's what when that's what I mean and meant on Sunday by the word exclusive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and that's how I think that's how the world sees us. Oftentimes, yeah, as, judgy tends yes. to come up with. Uh, yeah, you got to fit in my box or you're yeah. out. Yeah. And so I think the word inclusive for me means opening doors. You know, it's it's still a choice. This is, uh, but we do everything that we can as Christ followers, which I believe is what Jesus did, is to open every door possible for people to walk through to meet God. And uh, but it's a choice. Correct me if I'm wrong, you two, as I was, again, thinking about this thought process. I can't think of many, uh, uh, especially very specific, other religions that are as simple to, I mean, speaking to this inclusive concept that you're talking about, that are as simple to get into, believe in, whatever you want to call that, as Christianity. Am I totally off base on that thought process? Well, I think, you know, there, there's a famous story with C.S. Lewis, and he would meet with, you know, th- this famous group of writers. Tolkien was one yeah, of them yeah. at a pub, and they would have these conversations. I, and as the story I heard it, he came in late, and you know, he sits down, and he's like, you know, what are you guys talking about? And they're, they're saying, we're trying to talk about what is distinctive about Christianity from the rest of the world's religions. And yeah. he said, oh, that's really easy. And they're like, what? <laughs> he says, grace. And I think that's always hung with me. He saw it crystal clear, and I think he's right. Um, and, you know, I think I think other faith leaders would, maybe wouldn't say it that clearly, and, and I don't want to suggest there's not the element of grace in, in other faiths, mm-hmm. but at the very heart of Christianity is grace, that we, we, we can't uh, appeal to God in our brokenness and make all things right with our own resources as humans. We need outside intervention, mm-hmm. and God himself, this, the Christian story, is put on flesh, and came and solved the problem himself and offers as a free gift the pathway forward, and that's the inclusive nature of it. Um, I think another thing I'd like to say about the term exclusive, I think you're right, Denise, when we hear the word, you know, our, our animal instinct in our brains is to immediately think to keep someone out. That's what we think the word means, but a more, a more like foundational meaning of the word is just it's a premise that has one option, it doesn't mean that you're keeping out. There's just not another option. <laughs> like it's one plus one equals two, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, you're not. Yeah. Wait, that equation's keeping people out. Well, what? No, that doesn't make any sense. You know, but it is. It there's no there's no other options. That's what it is. And so I think that that's that's really the the basis of that. Let me maybe a story will help. This is an, another way to think of it. 
Can I tell a story? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you can edit it I'm out later because I'm sure it'll be way too long and you guys will just cut out all the funny parts. Yeah, yeah. if it's too long. It's <laughs> I was I was heading out here um, during uh, in February um, to, to the job seven years ago um, going ahead of my family as my dog and I in my Prius. Um, and so, which that's Did not... Did they beat you here then? <laughs> oh, Denise. That was a good one. Denise. Wow. Sorry, sorry. So I didn't have like chains, anything, and I'm going over the passes in the winter, right? So um, I was just naive and stupid and didn't didn't think it through. You're coming so I, from Wisconsin, you shouldn't have been naive <laughs> and stupid. Like, I shouldn't you, have you been. <laughs> but I, I, that's I mean that's part of why I was used to driving the snow. But I you know I get to Montana somewhere I can't remember the name of it and or Wyoming I can't remember one of those and uh, you know there's basically you know you're on. 80 or 84, whatever that road is, you're, you're cutting through the middle. And, um, and they, I come to this place and I was going to try to make it to the next town and a gate was across the road, like literally like a large gate. And so, um, oh, okay. That's what I said. So I I turn around (laughs) and um, it has started to snow. And so I'm in like just some little small little, you know, town in, in Montana, like a farming community kind of thing. So like one hotel and I end up getting a room and I go to a bar somewhere and, and there's just some, some folks that live there that were totally not like me. And so, <laughs> and so we'll just leave it at that. And so they see me riding my Prius and there's, I'm already just in deep trouble, right? They've all got four wheel drive trucks and they're like, How, howdy, you know, and I was like, hey, you know, um, the gate's down. And they're like, yeah, there's a big storm coming. It's unsafe. You know, the drifts and, you know, and they just, again, look at my Prius and just shake their head. Yeah, it's know? unsafe yeah. for our cars, let alone yeah. your Prius. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, um, well, you know, I need to, I'm supposed to get to this place and I got this job and, you know, is there another way? Is there mm-hmm. a back way? And then they look at me like I'm a complete idiot because if I can't make it on the main highway, how am I going to take the Prius on the back roads, you know, in the storm? But I'm just, you know, a city boy. And, and uh, they're like, uh, no. That's exclusivity, yeah, right. And That's and they're not like trying to keep me out. I mean, the gate literally was keeping me out, but right. it's doing right. it for my safety and this and that. But like, there just wasn't another way. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. That that was an exclusive pathway. Yeah. But here's the deal: like anyone could go on it as long as it's open. It's anybody's anybody's welcome to go on it. So there's there's there can be things, and I would argue that is the way of Jesus that are both exclusive and inclusive mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't allow for those categories in our minds that are so binary. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we go to the, the furthest extreme definitions of these words, and then we, we judge the word on that or the, or the premise on that. So anyway, that's a lot. But if, if, if at all you're, you're out there listening and you're thinking about what you bring to bear on a word or a conversation, maybe just step back from it and, and just, just ask, what does that mean when I say that or when I'm feeling energy in my spirit? Because the way of Jesus crystal clear in scripture read it for yourself is open to anyone and everyone and it's free i don't know how to get more inclusive than that right i mean literally anyone and everyone yeah but there's one way this is especially at the time very revolutionary uh because a lot of them were stricter or had workspace systems or race-based systems as as some of them were i know well greco-roman world it was it was a polytheist world. Mm-hmm. So there was just a billion gods. Uh, the Caesars considered themselves gods. Yeah. The gods were far removed from human interaction. They only came in to kind of save the day or mess things up. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was all kind of, so that was the uniqueness of Christianity. Not only are they saying, no, there is one God, G-O-D, who created the yeah. world. I mean, this. I'm going to preach on this this Sunday. It was science. You know, the Israelites leave Egypt. They come from a polytheist world, they're worshiping the sun, moon, and stars. That's when Genesis is written. And the writer of Genesis is trying to say, like, 
No, like God created the sun, <laughs> the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He created all of this, it. This one. This one. Yeah. yeah. That was the uniqueness. And then the further absurdity, or Nietzsche would say the strangeness of the early Christians, is they said that one God took flesh, which was not that uncommon. They could understand that, the early Romans. They understood that concept. Yeah. But that one who took flesh was the one who was crucified. <laughs> they're yeah. like, wait a second. What? Powerlessness and honor. We've talked about that. So, but again, there, there's two ways, there's multiple ways in which these words operate. So what Denise, I think, did such a great job preaching on Sunday is like, the way of Jesus is open to everyone. It's the most inclusive way that's ever been. But I, as, as I, I like to say, there's one way because there's only one way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and I, people can argue with that. You can say that I'm wrong. That's a whole nother topic, right? Mm-hmm. Whether we're wrong or right, it's a whole nother topic. I think we're simply trying to say the mere idea that a way of faith or a way of seeing God and humanity and sin and grace and the cross and all these things, that these are big T truth things. This isn't a matter of preference or taste. Right, we could right. be right or wrong. Right. That's for sure true. Yeah. But it's not going to both be mm-hmm. either. God's not mm-hmm. like multiple or one or God's mm-hmm. not, you know, Jesus or not Jesus. <laughs> yeah. That's just I, absurd. I think yeah. I, I might've been in Dan's book that I read that too. Just the statement that either, you know, either one of these religions is right and the rest of them are wrong or they're all wrong. Yep. So it, they, they're not all right. Yeah. Only one yeah. is right and the rest wrong or none of them are right. Yeah. So, so just, I mean, like I just say, I'm, I may not be your pastor if you're listening. I may be, but, just know that you're trying to be inclusive when you say, well, they all just get to the same place or it's all just the elephant. It's a, basically you're offending everyone Mm -hmm. and you're excluding everyone. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to be inclusive. You're doing the very opposite. It's just not helpful. And people of faith would rather, you know, like Rebecca said, just be honest and agree that honors the person's Mm -hmm. humanity and dignity. Say, I see you. I see how you see the world. I see, Hey, let's talk about it. And maybe we'll both grow in it. But to go back to the elephant thing, really to use that, which people love that illustration, but it's a trap because the people who use it as, as to argue for this idea that we're all just believing the same thing, at the heart of it is arrogance. Because you're positioning yourself as the only one who can see the elephant. <laughs> yeah. So again, your, yeah. your heart is, and I'm not trying to say you're arrogant out there if you're using it. Be careful, though. Because mm-hmm. you think that you're being inclusive and humble when you do it. You're actually being exclusive and arrogant when you do it. Because you're saying, I'm the only one that sees what all of you other people don't see, that you're all just doing yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And there's just like, oh, okay, really? How did yeah. you get that viewpoint? That's really interesting, you know? Yeah, you happen to find out it was an elephant and I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And I think the important piece for that, for kind of the, the everyday believer is simply, because sometimes we think Christians are the only ones who... It's like that we have that problem, that we are sometimes arrogant in that, that claim, but to, but to recognize, no, that, you know, Islam and uh, Hinduism also would say the mountain illustration is wrong, that yeah, it is I, not I the, the same God at the top. For sure they would. I, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like if we're being honest and they're being honest, yes. There's just some very specific phrasings that, that go to that. Um, I was thinking about pizza again, and also what if it was a donkey? Bro, so that's where I was for a pizza a lot, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I had enough food today. Uh, <laughs> so in talking about inclusive and exclusive and defining those a little bit better, um, which I think is great because to me, a lot of this conversation had a lot to do with like being honest about the actual definition of what exclusivity kind of is and this emotional definition that mm-hmm. people have and mm-hmm. don't talk about right. or recognize, and they're actually right. very different. 
Uh, I, I think that's huge. One of the things that came up as I was kind of bouncing around on the internet, um, looking into this and being like, what are people asking about? What are they talking about online? Um, it shocked me. <laughs> uh, it shocked me quite a bit to see how much people were arrogantly, uh, getting back to that, making statements about various religions mm. um, that had very little basis. Mm. Uh, and it just kind of shocked me. And, and I'm looking for your guys' thoughts on this. This isn't a real clear-cut question. Wait a second. Let me follow your reasoning. People are saying things on the internet that they don't have factual basis for. I just, well, it's really I, hard. I, it's hard to track. I was checking Wikipedia at one point. Just, I can't believe that would be true. <laughs> that things aren't fact-checked on the internet. Unbelievable. Shocking. And that people talking about the exclusivity of Christianity mm. and then that all of these other religions weren't exclusive. They were inclusive. Mm -hmm. Islam, Hinduism, like hmm. some of the major ones. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, look, I understand some of their basic. I like I've gotten schooling on some of this. I won't say <laughs> if somebody came in and wanted to correct me from any one of these religions, please do. But no, they're all they're all designed to be exclusive. And it just kind of shocked me about the public level of the, the, the arrogance, but also the lack of knowledge of basic beliefs and tenets mm, mm -hmm. of other belief systems out there, other religions out there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I was kind of looking for your guys' thoughts on that. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I, in this day and age where there's so much complexity, I'm like, let's solve the easiest things first. And they're just wrong. <laughs> I mean, it, well, I mean welcome to I the just, internet. <laughs> I just say that, it, like, just do work. Like, be, like, if you really want to honor people of faith, really get some books written by people there's faith that believe in. and it's just not true like and like there may be folks that's that's i mean here's the complexity right i wouldn't want to attach myself to everyone who called themselves a christian right yeah there's yeah, a yeah. lot of different types of christians right and so i think it's best when we talk about christianity talk about the orthodox beliefs of christianity and the heritage and that's how i would try to be faithful in talking about you know uh Islam and Judaism and Hinduism, stuff like that. You know, yeah. what is the core historically of what they believe that if you're Orthodox, faithful Hindu, what does you believe? And you get into some of the Hinduism being example, there's a wide divergency of belief systems. It's very complex to really nail it down. And even within Islam, you got uh, Sunni and Shiite, which, True. you know, like oh, they like bitterly it. disagree. Mm -hmm. We know that. Yeah, and oh, so yeah. it's and not as simple to, one for people out there that just say, hey, all Jewish people or Christians or Muslim believe this. One, that's you got to do some homework there. So I think, yeah. I think, what, what, again, what does the word mean? What are we saying? Get down to the heart of what that historic faith believes, and we just believe different things about God. Yeah. And I think, I think you rightly chose Jesus because Jesus is the center of the Christian faith. Jesus placed himself at the center mm -hmm. of the. Jesus said things in such a way that there was only one thing to think about. It's the one plus one equals two. He didn't leave wiggle room. Yeah. And so I think Jesus did that very intentionally. So yes, when you're measuring Christianity, just look at Jesus, what he said and what he did. And Paul would say, if he didn't rise from the dead, move on to the next thing. Right. So that's almost a, a, the easiest one to check off. But when you go to another face, look at what they say. And, and, and what do they say about Jesus? They say there's not another faith that says Jesus was God. Yeah and rose from the dead physically mm -hmm. and offers life to all believe in him. There's just not. That's just a, that's a fact. And so people yeah. who say that they're just, they're not, they haven't done their work. I'm sure they, and so just, again, as a general principle, please just do your work. Just, just read, just look. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a pretty easy one. They're just mm -hmm. wrong if they say that. Yeah. I checked, I checked some of the books that Wikipedia 
pulled from. It was it was sketchy. Good, <laughs> good. I mean, that may sound arrogant to some people, but like, just do your work. You'll find that I'm right. I mean, again, again, there's we just disagree on these things, and it's okay to disagree. It's okay to like have different opinions on capital T truth. You know, I mean, we should. That's the whole basis of the the idea of capital T truth, that there's going to be one answer. That's another one to think about exclusive capital T truth. There's just one answer. Mm-hmm. Now, we may not know what it is. We can argue about it. We can hopefully we're all seeking that. Right. What right. human isn't seeking what capital T truth is about ourselves as a species, about God, about mm-hmm. morality? Who mm-hmm. isn't that? And so I hope I'll give people the benefit of the doubt that they are doing that and that that's their heart. But to smooth it all out and say it's all capital T truth, that's not the answer. It's just not the answer. And I think I think from the beginning of this series, we've given a resource list. So if they don't, people, if you're listening today and you're thinking, yeah, where is that list? So uh, go back to, is it on our webpage? It's on our, it's on our webpage. I know that. Um, I know if you can't find it, feel free to message us, uh, newhopepdx.org, um, and check out stuff on that website. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. And again, go back and listen to the podcasts and everything else because all of them get mentioned in there. We're using uh, Dan Kimball's book. What's that one how again? Not to, how Not to Read the Bible. How Not to Read the Bible. We're using Rebecca McLaughlin's book, Confronting Christianity. Awesome. And one more, I believe. If I, Of course, I didn't grab those things coming in here, but we've recommended some Timothy. Timothy Keller books um, yeah. as well. I do have with, can I recommend another resource? I don't think this oh, made sure. the resource list. I should have, I, I should have uh, gotten it on there, but it's a book uh, by Stephen uh, Prothero, I think is how you say his name. He's a professor of religion at Boston College. I'm not sure if Stephen would consider himself a Christian. I mean, Boston College is a Catholic university. I'm not sure, but he's a religion scholar, highly respected in his field. And this is a pretty, it's a newish book. It's hard to find newish books. It's about, it's about 10 years old. It's called God is Not One, The Eight Rival Religions That Run the World. So mm. he would expand it to eight. Ooh, wow. And so he would go, he, he, would, like uh, he would go into it and, um, you know, kind of talk about each of them, uh, Judaism, uh, Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, on and on. Um, and he even covers atheism, which he would consider that a, a religion. And so he's making the point powerfully, don't say that they're all the same. Let me show you they're not. Okay. And so if, if you guys don't want to take Denise out, hey, you're in the Christian camp or whatever, I think he's a scholar that's highly respected. It's not a Christian book. Uh, read that, and I think that you'll come away with it just to prove this simple point, I, I doubt that you'll finish that book and be like, oh yeah, they basically all say the same thing. Mm. <laughs> I think that you'll see that they're not. And he would argue that is not helpful for how for finding peace. Like that's the counterintuitive thing. He's like, peace isn't going to be found by dismissing what everyone believes and trying to flatten it out. It's going to anger everyone. Mm-hmm. Peace is found in realizing that we have a difference of opinion and we can still be kind and loving as we talk about these things. Yeah. And one of us is wrong and one of us is right. And or or one of these people, or we don't yet know what, and that is an option as well. But after all this time, I gotta so, think one of them is right. <laughs> what would you say? Why? Because I mean, I think that is a concern. People don't want to. Uh, people don't want religions fighting with one another. There, because of our history, we know it can happen. Okay, so people can get violent. So, so how do we? I think Christianity does teach a different way. I think Christ teaches a different way that we like. And one of the, one of the uh, scriptures for me that hit the cutting room floor was, and you talked about it not that long ago, when Peter in the garden of Gethsemane pulled out, he, he was absolutely, I believe, 
when he told Jesus he would, you know, be with him to the end, he meant it if he could fight his way. And so he pulled out that, you know, the sword and cut off the... He was ready to rumble. Yeah, he was ready to rumble. And when Christ said, no, we're not going to do it that way, he, he absolutely didn't know what to do. So yeah. he abandoned Christ at that moment. So I think Christ and I think Peter learned over time how to how to, I don't know what's the better word, uh, not fight, but how to impact people's lives. He, Peter learned that night that it wasn't, Christ's way was not to become violent to prove his way. It was to lay down his life to, to, right. for people to, to know truth. That just flips everything on its head, and it continues to have to be a, a thing where we flip it on our head because our, our innate, I don't know, our our human nature just wants to attack, wants to prove, wants to defend our faith in the way that humanity typically defends our faith. And that's through we get defensive or, you know, worst case scenario, we we go violent. We get violent. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're probably going well beyond the confines of this conversation. Right. But like that's I would just question. say to people at home, when's the last time? try to think of some capital T conversations or maybe even preference conversations that are deeply rooted in your identity and your emotion. When's the last time you were talking to somebody that had an opposite perspective and you argued them into your position? Right. <laughs> it, it just rarely happens. That's not how people change their mind. We exactly. know that for brain science. We know that. And so I've tried and it, it with my kids. Just it's, it's a no avail. So again, these are other podcasts. <laughs> and and our ch- our <laughs> church talks about this all the time, how to yeah. carry ourselves and follow Jesus in such a way Exactly. that people are come to see Jesus as good and beautiful and true and are one in. And so it's not by argument. And I think going back to your original question, Denise, like I think a lot of people that just want peace think the way to peace is just flattening everything out so that we all believe the same thing or just mm-hmm. having everybody fight. It's, that's not the way to peace. It's, not. it's just not. And it's not, it's not possible. We're not going to be able to do that in a very diverse world. So there's got to be other pathways that we begin to listen mm-hmm. and we begin to learn. And as followers of Jesus, if we really believe what we believe, and I know the three of us do, that we believe if people enter the apprenticeship of Jesus and begin to follow him, not only do they begin to experience life now, but life after they die, and like that that is flourishing, that is the way we're meant to be fully human, how could we not share that with people, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, again, it's not trying to, I think, I know there's Christians that try to like browbeat people into the faith or just kind of get another notch on the Christian belt. And that's horrible. And that's abhorrent. And we don't want anything to do with that. But if we really believe this, you know, it's the very simplistic illustration of like having like, you know, a cure for someone who's really sick. And you're like, ah, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I should, should tell them, you know, like there's a fire burning down the house and you see the pathway to the exit door. And they're blinded. Like, I don't know. Should I give them the instructions? Right, I don't right, know. Like, right. I mean, these are really simplistic instruction, uh, uh, but, but like, like, how can we not, if we really believe it, that doesn't mean that we're offensive or we're hateful towards other people. We, mm-hmm. we could be wrong at the end of the day, but we, that's where we're, we're people of reasonable faith. We don't think we are. We, we believe that we we're trying to follow Jesus. We believe this is the best answer to how we see the world. We're trying to invite people into exploring that with us. That's different than how people... And some Christians don't go about it that way, and that makes it difficult to have this conversation because right. yeah. they're doing it in a different way. The arrogant that, stuff that has happened that in the past. It makes and, me, yeah, it doesn't yeah. make this conversation angry because we get 
coupled with that. It, well, you're like that. And I'm just saying we're not like that. You know, we're trying and not Jesus to Jesus like certainly that. wasn't like that. Jesus was not. Right, right. You know, it's the invitation, invitation, invitation. Jesus mm-hmm. was trying to build bigger tables, not smaller tables. Yeah. Right? But there is a table. There's another way of saying it. So that's the deal. Of like we, we get all caught up in what we mean by it. And again, most people are just trying to figure it out and do the yeah. right thing. And they got big hearts. And, and again, I, you mentioned Oprah. I think Oprah seems to have a good heart. And, you know, she's mm-hmm. just trying to bring peace and stuff like that. But if I were talking to Oprah, that's never going to happen, you know. Oh, but you know. I would just like, that's not helpful, Oprah. You know, like, you know, to, to, you know, that's not helpful to say they're all the same thing. It's just not factually true. Um, and people of other faiths are just shaking their head going, don't, don't say that. Don't. So read the, this. is a good, a good book. God is, God is not one. The eight rival religions that run the world. If you want it, if you disbelieve what we're saying, if you really think that it's all a mountain, that they end up at the top or the elephant thing's true. I think that you can re- you'll read this book and find out that you're probably wrong on that. Um, can I say one more thing? Are, yeah. we, are we closing up? Or are we, no, what are we, I, I are we have doing? a question, but I mean, oh, go I'm ahead. I, going. I, 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 I've got a closing crescendo. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so I think one of the the other undergirding ideas to this exclusivity inclusive concepts um, that is going on out in the world, so to speak, has a lot to do with, in the end all, what we would call universalism, but the idea, um, what happens uh, to the person that's never heard? Mm. Uh, The other person, you know, outside of all these religions we've talked about, um, and this is, yeah, this is a tough one. Um, This has a little bit to do of uh, uh, what to do with hell for us. Um, and I think we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, it's coming up in the series. So look forward to that, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Denise, do you want to go first? Do you want to? Um, I can't. I just, just quickly, I think even Dan Kimball, I thought, handled that very question really well in his section. He did it tenderly and and carefully, and I really appreciated that because we do, and we, we don't know all the answers to some of the questions that we have. What will happen to people who, who die not ever hearing of Jesus? And uh, Dan takes us to a place that, that has always been helpful to me. He says three things. He says, we affirm, we just go to what we do know. And I think that always helps. When we don't know, let's go to what we do know. This is what we know about God, that we affirm that God loves people, that that is heart, God's heartbeat, that is um, at, his, at his core. We affirm that God is the ultimate loving judge and that God wants people to know Jesus, so he created the church for mission. And so, one, just that emphasis that we're called to be about sharing the gospel. That's our responsibility. What happens with that, that's on God. That's with, you know, God's, God's got that peace. And we trust the heart of God in the middle of, of all of the things that we don't know. One of the passages in the Old Testament that always helped me with this question is, you remember when back, I think it was uh, in 2 Samuel, when, when David uh, takes a census and he, then he, he realizes he shouldn't have taken that census and God sends a prophet to him to confront him with it and, and tell him what his, he gives him three choices for punishment. And one of them was, you know, uh, th- you can, have three months of, or three years of famine, three months of fleeing from your enemies, or three days with a severe plague, you know, throughout your land. And 
David's answer to that has always been helpful. He said, he said, I'm in a desperate situation, but let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is great. Do not let me fall into human hands. And I've always loved that because humanity, we can't, we cannot figure out all these questions. And I wouldn't trust us. The, David didn't trust any person <laughs> to, to deal out his punishment. But he said, just put me in the hands of God for his mercy is great. And I, I, I just trust, that's a place I go to with those questions that I can't answer, Josh, is that God's a good God and God's a merciful God. And I'm not going to sort out every detail of what he's going to do with all of this, you know, yeah. when this life yeah. is over. I like that. John? Yeah, I, I would I would answer in a similar way. I mean, I always try to start this question by admitting it's hard and the yeah. Bible doesn't give complete answer to it. And I think just admitting that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Bible isn't intended to give an answer to everything. And so... I think Christians need a better, do a better job saying, I don't really know the, the answer yeah. to that question. Um, but I do think we know some things. Mm-hmm. And um, I think some of the things that we know is that um, we know about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> we know that he offers a, a way to everyone that calls upon his name. Everyone who calls upon his name will be saved. And that's everyone. And we know that the primary people, way people respond is by hearing about Jesus and the good news. Paul would say, how, how can people respond without hearing? And mm-hmm. so I think it, it, people get to the, well, what about those who don't hear? Which is a really great question. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm comforted by the theme throughout from beginning to end, and we see it in Revelation seven times, that on that day, the gathered kingdom will be from every people and tribe and language and nation. Every, every. So that comforts me, right? Mm -hmm. So it's exhaustive. So somehow the message gets there. And and yeah, I think to, to your point, Denise, I think I, the heart of God, and, and I think the, the way I've said it to people is, when we get back one day, I don't know when that'll be. I don't know how our knowledge and you know, post life will be. Whether we'll understand everything. Let's just presume we do, and we're sitting back at some point in eternity. We're just looking over the canvas of history and how things turned out. We're not gonna be able to point at anything or anyone and say God wasn't good to them or wasn't just. It's just we we won't. Yeah. So I don't know the answer to those, but I know that we'll be able to look at them and be like, that's right. Mm-hmm. And um, and maybe not right how we see it right now when we're broken and we see it through a glass dimly. So we have to be yeah. very careful that we're not playing God. Exactly. Um, Dallas Willard's a f- famous writer, philosopher, and I just heard him quoted the other day. I'm, I may be getting this a little bit um, not, not perfect, but he said to this effect, John Ortberg was talking about, he said, Dallas, you say all the time that God will do the best he can with every person. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, because I think that also enters in what the nature of love is, and the very nature of love is God giving us freedom. Yep. And yeah. we don't ever want to coerce anyone into love. So the heart of Christianity is real love, mm-hmm. love that includes the idea of justice, love that idea that includes the idea of freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a much more developed idea of love than how we mo- most of us use it, which is basically just to feel good and be accepted. It's much deeper <laughs> than that. And so God will do the very best he can with the decisions that we make, but we have decisions to make too. And especially those of us who are confronted with the gospel and do know about Jesus and do know about Jesus' claims. You know, if you're hearing this and you've never looked to Jesus for, for life, right now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's as simple. It's a free gift. 
and and or you think you have it together and and you can do better and i think that that would be a foolish choice in all due respect but that that is given to all of us that that god has put on flesh come here made things right for us and has offered the pathway of life to all who look to him anyone anyone is welcome but there's not multiple ways of that happening because there's one way because there's only one way it's the only way the mess that was made in the world could be made right god himself making it right there's not multiple ways of that happening. It's, it was so bad, there's only one answer, you know, and that shouldn't be offensive to anyone else. It should be comforting that the God mm-hmm. himself came and, and, and set right what wasn't wrong and is, is going to, is, you know, mm-hmm. you know as, as Tolkien said, uh, you know, at the end of Lord of the Rings, everything, everything sad will be made untrue because of Jesus, and it's such a beautiful thing to live into. Um, yeah, I think the, can I, can I leave everybody with a verse? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think about this also. I'm, I'm talking to followers of Jesus here who, who look to, to scripture to guide our lives. And I've always been deeply impacted by Paul's pastoral letter, the second one, second Timothy, maybe some of the last things he ever said to young Timothy, who was a pastor who lived in a very post-Christian world. You know, there's only just, these are really small churches in like uh, the Roman empire, 60 million with like all the gods and people are dying. And it's just bad. We think we have it bad right now. But can you yeah. imagine young Timothy tried to lead a church then? Right, and of course they're entering in these crazy ideas about Jesus, these strange, provocative ideas, and eventually we know they change the world. But uh, he says this uh, right at the end of of the letter to Timothy: he "says So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, and faith, and love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart." Just think of that like line, and this is uh, this is two uh, chapter two uh, twenty two. What if followers of Jesus lived with those qualities? Faith, love, peace from a pure heart. Yeah. How attractive the way of Jesus would be. Now listen to this. Please listen, Christians. I know I struggle with this too. You guys probably know me enough to know this, but have nothing to do with foolish or ignorant controversies <laughs> that you know will breed quarrels. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do we hear this? I mean, does Paul know about social media already? <laughs> he was prescient, <laughs> didn't know what was coming. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies that breed quarrels. The minute we get embroiled in that interpersonally, or on, we're out. Yep. I'm out. Yep. I'm not going to do that. Love you. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. We can talk later, but we're not. I'm not going to do that. The Lord tells me not to. And the Lord's servant, he says to Timothy, must not. He repeats it. He says, you know, that these things breed quarrels. And then he says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. But, and that, that word quarrelsome in the Greek means hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> That's what it means. Right. <laughs> you know, which I mean, how much of like Christianity, like, rah, let's go. You no, know, Paul says. But, here's, how, here's the pathway, but be kind to everyone, kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, and correct, correcting opponents with gentleness, that God perhaps may grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Right? I mean, that's the pathway. Yeah. Gentleness, Gentleness, kindness, mm-hmm. listening, mm-hmm. relying on God, you know, not ourselves, not our arguments. I mean, like we think we exactly. need to sub in for God. He doesn't have it handled. Like I got to bring it, you know, or like yep. we're going to yep. lose everything. I mean, yep. the fear based, I just love those verses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard one scholar say, Oh, one of these Greek words that he's he's telling Timothy to be could be translated as tolerance. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. And Christians like go like this with tolerance. Right? I saw I just saw Denise do it. You guys couldn't see it, but she did that, right? Because <laughs> we're we're told that tolerance is a bad thing. Yeah. And here's the it's Apostle Paul telling word, Timothy. Yeah. But and again, word. for people that aren't Christians that may be listening out there, you, you the world loves tolerance. But what does tolerance mean? Tolerance presumes you disagree. 
That's right. That's the very root of the word. Yeah, that's it right. presumes disagreement. It doesn't mean you all agree. It means you agree to disagree, but you do it agreeably. Mm-hmm. That's what tolerance means. Mm-hmm. And so, again, the idea is not to come and say all capital T truth is the same. That's actually offensive. And that's, that's arrogant and that's exclusive. It's to honor one another and say, we disagree. Let's talk about yeah. it. Let me, talk yeah. to me about your story. Tell me what you feel. Let me tell you about my story. Let me tell you about my Jesus and what Jesus has done for me. And at the end of the day, that may or may not win the day, but they have their free will yeah. to go about it, right? But as followers of Jesus, if we carry ourselves in this way, this is the opposite of fear-based combat. We got to like win the world for God. Like that's just so idolatrous, to be honest. <laughs> that's like saying God needs our help in that way. God doesn't need our help. <laughs> I mean, God invites us to participate in what God's already doing, and so that's the beauty of the way of Jesus. So it takes some pressure off. It does, and yeah. we can just be this way, right? How beautiful yeah. would the way of Jesus be? And I mean, we're calling New Hopers to be this way. Mm-hmm. And I feel this in my heart. I'm not going to like, I, these things, Denise knows me. Well, you guys know me. Well, I get fired <laughs> up about some things, right? Of course. And like our flesh, right, that part that's not ruled by the Spirit naturally goes to the combat and quarrels and not gentle and, you know, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, but governed by the Spirit of God. Like this is the kind of church we can be, and this is the kind of church that will make the way of Jesus appear and be good and beautiful and true and attractive to people who are looking for that desperately in the world. Yes. So that's what I—that was my crescendo that I promised that I wanted to end on. I don't know ending. how I don't know how it was, but you know, it's it's, I mean, it was Paul's it's crescendo. Good, that's what he was saying. There you go. Uh, coming up soon, we will be talking about hell. Um, as you heard here today, we uh, inadvertently started talking about politics with elephants, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to politics and hell coming in the series. Still, yeah, people think it's been rough so oh, far, and we haven't even gotten to politics and hell yet. Uh, I mean, there's a connection between those two words. I mean, just, uh, just, just saying, not We're arguing, living not it arguing. right here. On yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, uh, Denise and John. Thanks, and uh, for our listeners, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks, and everybody. We will catch up with you all later. Take, right, care. take care. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to New Hope's Cutting Room Floor Podcast. And don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check out newhopepdx.org to get to know us more.